Chapter Five of Armand Durand by Rosanna Le Proen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. It was for the love of Genevieve that Paul sought a mother for Genevieve's child and that thought exclusively guided him in his second choice careless of youth beauty or rustic dower he passed by many a bright-eyed rose-lipped girl who would have smiled on his suit and selected a plain-featured but amiable virtuous girl already regarded in the parish as an old maid knowing that she would replace to his idolized son as far as woman could do the young mother he had so early lost the day he asked eulalie messier to be his wife he frankly explained to her his reasons for changing his single state quietly adding that he esteemed and respected her and would endeavor to make a good husband but he never mentioned the word love eulalie was amply satisfied and thankful alike to providence and paul for her total want of dower as well as personal attractions seemed to have irrevocably condemned her to a state of single blessedness which in her case signified a life of isolation and unending toil paul's second wedding took place on a scorching day in july a month capable of inflicting as much fiery inconvenience on the inhabitants of this land of snow and ice as if we dwelt beneath the tropics many of our readers may remember the inimitable description given by dickens in little dorrit of a hot day in marseilles in which the broiling pavements and blistering walls are enlarged upon whilst luckless pedestrians are described as plunging into the sultry fierce glare of the sunlight and swimming for their lives to the nearest strip of shade just such a temperature was it in allonville on the day of the important event above alluded to no ripple stirring the smooth clear waters of our magnificent st lawrence as it flowed majestically past mirroring back the pretty villages nestling coquettishly on its banks no breath of air stirring the trees the long grass the weeds and wild flowers that bordered the roadside and filled every dell and hollow looking in their sultry immovability as if painted on canvas what a very sahara seemed the closely shaven clover fields the yellow stubble reflecting fiercely back the molten sunlight that poured down on it and how hot and scorched the poor cornfields looked each stalk bending it seemed not so much beneath its weight of grain as under the merciless heat till they seemed to claim pity almost as much as the kine and sheep that panted and gasped beneath the meagre shadow of fence and outbuilding or the few isolated trees spared here and there on the land insect life however held full jubilee and flies buzzed bees hummed crickets grasshoppers sang chirped till their united efforts made up almost in volume of sound if not music for the silence of the birds that mutely nestled amid the drooping foliage before the neat little village church a number of vehicles were gathered the horses of which were tied to the numerous posts which usually dot the green sward in front of the country places of worship soon the owners of said vehicles came out of the sacred edifice and with brisk interchange of jokes and a fund of gaiety that rendered them indifferent to if not unconscious of the scorching atmosphere the cavalcade proceeded to the bridegroom's house 
festivities of any kind in the bride's poverty-stricken home being of course out of the question paul would have preferred by far having his second marriage on the same quiet simple scale as the first but his friends protested so energetically indeed indignantly against such an unsocial proceeding that he was obliged to sacrifice his own wishes and conform to theirs and to custom we need not say that on the morning in question the durand homestead from attic to cellar was in a state of shining as well as hospitable preparation huge nosegays some placed in cracked jugs or tumblers graced every available spot whilst a long table draped in snow-white country linen was plentifully set out with delf and glasses when the lively party entered the house the fairer portion proceeded to divest themselves of their large straw hats and to shake out their calico skirts taking turns for surveying their smiling faces at the one looking-glass adorning the bedroom wall and whose shining surface rewarded each beholder with a distorted semblance of self enough not only to subdue effectually any lurking vanity the fair gazer might have possessed but in some cases to cause them to recoil in horrified amazement jugs of cider and ale with raspberry syrup a summer beverage most canadian housekeepers can make to perfection were handed freely round and shortly after amid remarks on the heat and the crops they gathered round the table and the village cure who occupied the post of honour having said grace they attacked the dainty fare before them the supply was indeed most bountiful consisting of poultry sausages cold roast pork smoking pancakes fruit tarts honey and preserves with large heaped-up plates of brown crisp crullers that never-failing cake a plate of which is always to be found on canadian tables bottles of rum and sherry the latter chiefly intended for the women kind were placed at reasonable distances around the board seated at the upper end were bride and bridegroom paul looked calm and quite at his ease but nothing could equal the magnificent self-possession of the bride who sat in her new place as composedly as if she had occupied it for the last ten years her black hair which by the way was really glossy and abundant was brushed back as simply as possible from her temples and her toilette though irreproachably neat had evidently been chosen with a view to utility and as strong a contempt for finery as distinguished that of her worthy husband the expression of her countenance was frank and honest as well as good-humoured with unruffled tranquillity she listened to jokes and innuendos to the laboured and intentional repetition of her new name without blush or token of embarrassment till at length the most industrious jester the wit of the party having emptied every arrow in his quiver without once putting her out of countenance declared to a neighbour that he would really find more pleasure in quizzing his grandmother his discomfiture however in no manner interfered with the general hilarity and merriment singing and talking went on whilst keener appetites had perhaps never been displayed even in the bracing hunger inspiring days of winter at length the party rose from the table and during the confusion of changing seats the men filling pipes which they did with tobacco taken from small pouches carried on their persons 
durand made a sign to his new-made wife and she comprehending him instantly rose and quietly followed him out into a narrow passage terminating in a steep staircase leading to the upper part of the house the ceiling of this flat was very low but the same air of comfort reigned here as below and in a little crib spread with coarse but beautifully white linen slept a pretty child of two years old laying his broad sunburned hand lightly as a rose-leaf on the sleeping child's forehead paul durand said with a slight tremor in his voice my motherless child Hulalie, you will be a mother to him will you not the woman looked in silence at the little sleeper the face was one of great loveliness and even in that early stage of life the perfect regularity of the features gave sure promise of later beauty perhaps awakened by the father's light touch the child opened its large hazel eyes that acquired a still darker hue from the long heavy lashes that shadowed them and looked up quietly wondering at the unknown female face bending over it surprised perhaps pained by her silence durand resumed you have not answered me eulalie will you not be a mother to my poor boy a faint flush stole over the bride's cheek the first that had visited it that evening though it was her wedding day kneeling beside the cradle she tenderly kissed the child whispering yes may god give me grace to do my duty towards it well then for a moment her lips moved either in silent prayer or promise and when she rose to her feet there was a look in her face that told paul she was resolved to keep her promise a look which rendered her more beautiful in his eyes than if roses and dimples instead of lines of care and hardship marked her countenance quietly the newly wedded couple went back to their guests the father carrying his boy who of course was ready attired in all his finery for the occasion and mrs durand bore the new storm of jests and compliments that saluted her return with her usual serenity after little armand had been duly admired and caressed some worthy dames smothering a sigh as they whispered among themselves the ominous word stepmother he was handed back to the girl who had had charge of him since his mother's death and who stood at the door scowling in turn at each individual who touched her nursling for lisette's temper on that joyous day was sadly soured not so much by the general festivities as by the special circumstance that had given rise to it the day wore on fiercer and fiercer blazed the sun the great river as one of the guests reproachfully said would not spare them even a whiff of air to blow the smoke curl from their pipes but despite that eating drinking smoking went on varied by singing and dancing which in the then state of the temperature was a species of self-immolation almost incredible everybody was delighted and the general merriment never flagged though the doctor of the village young and unmarried was among the guests together with his brother an equally untrammelled notary from montreal both amusing and agreeable more than one feminine breast heaved a sigh inwardly acknowledging that the new bride 
despite her plainness of feature and the title of old maid with which they generally qualified her behind her back had indeed secured the first marital prize in allonville the wedding festivities lasted for eight days being celebrated alternately at the houses of the different relatives of the newly wedded pair and then when all parties were thoroughly tired out with pleasure things returned to their usual course and perfect quiet settled down in the household of paul durand there was not much danger of paul's second wife making him forget the first for eulalie was singularly taciturn and matter-of-fact and could spend hours in company with her husband without uttering a word or encouraging him to do so but she was a rare housekeeper and dairy poultry-yard and garden flourished under her auspices even as they had done under those of paul's worthy mother oh restless human heart how often in the midst of the comfort cleanliness and thrift that now surrounded him paul looked back with a longing aching heart to the period of misrule which had been rendered happiness to him by the love and companionship of the idolized young wife he had so early lost he knew though and acknowledged the sterling worth and good qualities of the second mrs durand whilst she never obtaining a look into the closed chambers of his heart averred that he was one of the best and most devoted of husbands she took the little armand to her heart at once and though naturally undemonstrative caressed and petted him with all a good woman's devotion the time came when she had another child to fondle but when she had rendered durand the father of a strong robust boy she made no distinction between the children and little paul did not rob his brother armand of a single particle of her affection and watchful care of course this new tie between husband and wife was a powerful one and he began to feel a deeper interest in her a more anxious desire for her health and happiness than he had yet done when again inexorable death stepped in and deprived him of his wife just as he was beginning to feel sincerely attached to her a malignant fever contracted in the chill rainy season of autumn sufficed to prostrate that active strong frame full of energy and health and the second wife was laid beside the first just two short years after she had taken her place as paul sat in his mourning clothes the day of the funeral and remembered that he was now burdened with two helpless children instead of one whilst he was more lonely than ever he inwardly determined that he would not venture on matrimony again but come what would he would endeavor to struggle through the battle of life companionless destiny however had some comfort in store for him after some months his sister's husband henri ratel paid the debt of nature dutifully and kindly tended by his wife to the last the new-made widow briefly wrote to her brother paul do you want me to which he briefly rejoined yes without delay and she came 
you see brother it was written that we should live together we both married a couple of times almost it seemed to evade it but it was to be i am satisfied if you are paul was amply so and gave all just authority to this new regent of his household nor was his confidence misplaced she proved herself well worthy of it and in no respect more so than in her judicious care of her brother's two young sons she had never been blessed with children and her kindly nature yearned over the two thus confided to her charge as if they had been indeed her very own the two boys were as different in disposition as they were in physical characteristics and whilst armand with his mother's fragile beauty was sensitive reticent and quiet paul possessed the manly vigor of his father but was besides turbulent and thoughtless both durand and his sister treated the children with perfect equality and if at times paul in watching the strong resemblance his eldest son bore to his fair young mother felt his heart yearn towards him as it had once done towards his idolized first wife he never evinced the feeling by any outward token of preference End of chapter 5